I invite you to stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, that after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please pray with me. O Lord, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That some have suggested that tattoo parlors should have a sign that hangs above the door. Think before you ink. I kind of like that a little bit. Is that it's not only one of those things that generally stands as a truism that you might want to give this some thought, but also the fact is, is that some of those things that come after you have already done it. Think before you ink. I mean, they should really place that somewhere to go ahead and ask you that very question of, do you really want to carry this around with you all your life through? Now, I know that there's all kinds of different problems or issues that happen. I went on the internet and I searched some of the good ones. Is that I really liked one, you know, that a little bit of a misspelling is that someone got tattooed on their, their arm, no regrets. That's not what they were looking for. No regrets. I think they got exactly the opposite. <laughs> Or there was one that I saw as I searched is that it showed the picture of the, their lovely little baby child, that they were getting tattooed on their body, but instead the tattoo in the end looked like they had Lord Voldemort somehow tattooed right there on their body from Harry Potter. That over it's been nearly 20 years, but I can still remember it. There I was in St. Louis Cardinals Stadium, Yes, the Cubs were playing there, don't worry. And so that's why I was there. But the fact is, is that there I was at the ballpark and I went up to go ahead and buy my food and sure enough is that what did I see? But I saw tattooed right on her neck, right across there. I still remember it, her permanent name tag. I will never forget Brandy because she didn't need the name tag on her very, you know, just shirt, because it was right there tattooed across her neck. It was an I, not a Y. It's been 19 years, and I still remember it. <laughs> Maybe it's that old girlfriend's name that we never should have gotten. <laughs> Maybe it's something else that we were really into that just shouldn't be. But tattoo removal has become big business. <laughs> more and more tattoo-bearing people experience what is called tattoo regret syndrome. 
According to the 2018 survey, not only are more tattoos being seen, but there are more people considering getting their tattoo removed. The fact is, is that this is not a cheap or an easy process. That some say that it may take up to 12 sessions spread out over two years, with each of those sessions costing between $100 and $400 a pop. Talk about regrets. (laughs) But I want you to think with me for a moment. Now, what would our feeling and our experience be if all of our regrets and all of our mistakes and all of the problems of our past showed up as tattoos that marked our bodies? What would be those very things that stick with us when we look in the mirror, when we look at ourselves? What would be those things that still mark us, still show their very sign upon us? Would we see that very face of someone that we hurt? Would we see that time that we think about those regrets of what we spent our money on here or there or everything else? Would we see those regrets of the shouldas and the wouldas and the couldas life. That I could have been a better this, or I could have done less of that. Is that what regrets would come to the surface? When we look deeper into ourselves and consider what we see, is that what do we find? Do we find wasted years? Do we see those things that still haunt us today? Do we see those less savory qualities about ourselves, our greed or our anger or our arrogance or indeed our selfishness or other things that mark us? Is is it still those things that plague us from years past? That as I met with some of those members at Greenwood Village yesterday for communion, I talked about all of those things that I broke as a child. The time I drove the golf ball through my neighbor's front, front window. The time that I broke my mother's lamp. And not only did all of those stories come rushing back, but the feeling that I felt on those days as I tried to hide all of the things that I had done comes back with it. Then what can we do with all of these unwanted marks all of these unwanted things that are just there permanently. That I know in our life sometimes we get defensive, that we pretend as if it's not there, or simply we find ourselves not willing to admit anything, not to tell anyone anything. It's that skeleton in our closet that we just don't talk about it. And if anyone wants to bring it up, is that we deny it or we ignore it, we seek innocence, not forgiveness, and we're defensive because of the fact that we don't want to look at what we've done. But the fact is, on the other side, is that we find ourselves dealing with things in another way. That some on the other side is that we deal with those things is simply as those who are defeated by them defeated by all of those hurts and those harms, all of that stuff that is back in our past. To find ourselves feeling that we have made mistake after mistake or what we've done is just too great. We beat ourselves up, we blame ourselves, we shame ourselves, that we take on that very role. 
of judge and jury. The verdict is in that we are guilty. And so we simply won't let ourselves off the hook. The fact is, though, is that defensive people hide marks. Is that defeated people indeed replay those marks over and over again. But is there a better way? Is there a different way? That rather than be defensive or defeated, is that we can be indeed delivered. Delivered from those ugly marks of our past. That as we begin our Lenten season, we also begin our Lenten sermon series for this midweek sermons. As we begin to hear of that very witnesses, that crowd of witnesses, that testify to what they saw and who Jesus truly was. And today we get that very witness of John the Baptist. Is that what is something that he, in the midst of his life, definitively continue to witness about? That John proclaimed for all to hear, Behold, the Lamb of God. Just seven verses later, again, John begins to proclaim, Behold, the Lamb of God. When's the last time you've used the word behold? I mean, just normal conversation. When all of a sudden you're just, Behold! You don't do it. What is this word? And what is John trying to get across? Behold means to look, to gaze, to stare. What is John trying to do? He's trying to say that if you miss everything else that I say, this is what you have to hear. That if you are not seeing it, stare at it, fix your eyes upon it. Behold the Lamb God. So what is this Lamb of God? Who is this Lamb of God? That 11 times in his gospel, John continues to talk about the Passover, continues to reference it and talk about it, for on display right there is that Old Testament Passover story of what had delivered those Israelites from their slavery and bondage and the cruel death that they experienced under the harsh hand of Pharaoh. That the blood of the Lamb that was spread upon the doorposts and upon the very lintel was the very thing that delivered them from that angel of death. It brought freedom. It brought life. It brought a promised land. It brought new to them. It delivered them from all of their past and all that they faced. And so today we come, not just remembering a deliverance that God worked so long ago for his Old Testament people, but we remember Jesus Christ, our Passover Lamb. That lamb who comes in the midst of all of these things, behold the lamb who takes away. So one Bible commentator likes to make a big deal about this verb being in the present tense. I know some of you are like, does that matter? (laughs) So what does it mean that he puts it in the present tense of takes away? The fact is, 
is that today he takes away. Tomorrow he takes away. Next week, next month, next year, he is working presently in your life, taking away the very sin of the world. That that is what he has come to do, to take away all of the ugliness, all of the regrets, I mean regrets, is it taking away all of the sin and the shame and the problems that haunt us? Is that Christ not only comes to take away our guilt, but he comes to take away our shame. The very fact is that so often our guilt is that very feeling over those things that we have done, the sins that we have committed, the past or the present that we are wrestling with of things that we couldn't believe that we have done to ourselves or others. But shame. Some of us are still plagued by shame of sins that have been not done by us, but sins that have been done to us. So whether it's public shame feeling that we're branded by something that has happened, is that the alcoholism of a parent or family member, a problem or an issue, something that is there for all to see. Feeling stigmatized by the fact that we lost a job or lost a spouse or found ourselves losing our life savings. Or it might be that private shame that we still carry with us that secret that we do not tell of abuse gone by or issues or problems that we don't talk about. That Jesus Christ comes to not just deal with our guilt, but he comes to take away our shame. That we can put our hands over our ears and we can pretend that it's not there. We can somehow fill our lives with all kinds of other things, but we know it's going to come back up. The fact is, is that we cannot drink it away. We cannot work it away. That we cannot explain it away or simply find ourselves in one way or another trying to put it behind. Nothing takes it away. For the very fact is, is that we find ourselves needing another. Behold, behold the Lamb who takes away the sin and the shame and the guilt that we have. So many of us have carried these burdens for too long. And maybe we imagine that just simply it's too bad for God to deal with or it's something too bad for us to admit or maybe it's just too much for us to handle. But what does John point us to? The very fact is that he calls us today to speak up, to speak that very prayer of Jesus, take it away. Jesus, take it away from my life, whatever it is that is there in my life, that whether it's something that we need to say once or twice, or whether it's something that we need to repeat again and again. The fact is, is that we find ourselves not just as those who are marked by our sins, but we are those who have been marked by our very Lord, that in our baptism he has washed us clean, marked us as his own, called us his own beloved children, and he has put our past in our past. 
even today, he comes and says to you, not that you were baptized, but you are my baptized child today. Fact is, is that marks can only be removed when they are exposed to grace. Those hurts of the past can only heal if we expose them to the very care that only our very Lamb of God can provide. Confession isn't punishment for sin. It's not our opportunity to grovel around in our sadness and our guilt as good Lutherans. It's that confession, confession is that very fact of bringing to God and exposing to His grace the very needs of our life that it's time for that clean start, that fresh slate, that this is what Lent is about. That certainly we come with confession because we do not come defensive or defeated, but we come to be delivered. And so Jesus comes to us today, speaking to us once again himself, speaking those very words of another behold. Just listen to those words that were spoken of Christ so many years before he came. Already in Isaiah chapter 49, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. That indeed, he still bears those very marks. He still bears those very permanent scars of what it took to indeed to take away those regrets, that guilt, and those shames of our past. But he loves you that much that if you ever wondered what would happen if God knew and found out all of those things, we try to even cover it up from him. But what does he do? He brings us to that very place and reminds us that today I come to take away your sin, that he took the nails so that we may be free, that he shed his blood, that we may be cleansed, that he was forever marked, so that we may be without spot, without blemish, that we in eternity to come will be those who are known as his very changed children. Then may he grant to you this day and every day that forgiveness and grace that he alone can give. And may that peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.